All right, hey, here's, here's a couple funnies. Is that all right? Can I, can I be funny? And, and this is not all my fault. Um, this is, was one of my Christmas presents from Lily, and it says a daily dose of dad jokes. <laughs> so, uh, so this is, uh, I, I, I text it to her every day, and we, we kind of go over this kind of stuff. But, not gonna read it. but not gonna read this one, but I do have a couple funnies that I pulled out of it. Cause so can, can uh, everybody good with dad jokes? I mean, you know, they're just, uh, here's what, <laughs> it depends, it depends. All right, had it, Jerry Brown, are you listening? Okay. I uh, had a weird dream last night that I was a muffler. I woke up exhausted. <laughs> all right. All right, I, I'll, I'll spare you. I got one more. That's all. I, you know, we can't, can't handle too much of this. Uh, why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie? Well, the hippie was way too far out, man. <laughs> okay, all right. So. <laughs> all right. Hey, I like to have a good time, don't you? Laughter is good for the soul, amen. It's good medicine for the soul, and uh, may the Lord restore our joy and renew our strength. I know there are times we need to tighten up, but there's a whole lot of times we need to lighten up. You know what I mean? All right, let me take a swig of this, and I'll be ready to go. All right, take your Bible, turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're going to get back in here and just take one little piece of it this morning. We're going through the, the Psalm. We're, we're talking about all the different aspects of how God wants us to live a life with no fear and no worries. That's his plan. I mean, we could look at probably a dozen other scriptures today of what Jesus said. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Constantly, Jesus is saying that. He says in one place in Matthew 6, we'll cover that this morning. Don't worry. I don't want you to worry about your life. I, I, I got you covered. You know, so Psalm 23 really kind of speaks into that idea. We're talking this morning about the idea of he restores. Everybody say that with me. He restores. Oh, this is good. This is actually my favorite part of the psalm, actually. And you'll, you'll know why in a minute. This is a psalm of David, as we've talked about before. And David basically is bragging on his shepherd. He just wants everybody to know how good his shepherd is, how good the Lord is, and how good the Lord has been to him. And, and I can see David. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm conjecturing here. But I, I can see David. I'm not sure when he wrote this. I don't know if he wrote this in the early part of his life. I got a feeling he either wrote it or reflected a lot on it later on in his life as looking back over the, the experiences he had with God, looking over his history with God. You know, you got a history with God to where you can kind of, in your mind, it, it just kind of comes to you that you, you know without a shadow of a doubt God did this, and then that in that season of my life he did this, and then over here he did this, and, and it, was, it was just like you could see his hand working. We, we can look back and see those things, can't we? Uh, the joy is to learn to enjoy it now and realize it's happening, not just to look back. That's a wonderful thing to look back and praise and thanks, give thanks. But, but what if we lived knowing that that's happening every moment of every day? You know, I believe that's where he wants us to be. He, he speaks about the shepherd over his soul and over his life in a very deeply personal way. You know, he, he says the Lord is, he's not, he didn't say the Lord is a good shepherd. What did he say? The Lord is He's my shepherd. I mean, this is personal. This is really personal between me and the Lord. And we know Jesus being that good shepherd, it's, it's really personal between me and Jesus. We, we got a thing going on. You know what I'm saying? Me and Jesus got a thing. I think somebody wrote a song like that one time, didn't we? We got a thing going on. I mean, we, we, we're tight. I mean, he's, he's been with me. And, and you know what? When I proved myself to be unfaithful, I found out that he didn't leave. <laughs> and, and, I, and I didn't hold up my end of the covenant from time to time. I mean, it's... it's you know, I know you don't understand that kind of thing, but this has kind of been my story. I didn't always hold up my end of the bargain. I didn't hold up my end of the covenant, but that didn't, he never left me. And I found that, that Hebrews 13, 5, that where he promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. I found that to be true in my life. I mean, when I wanted to forsake it all, he didn't. So, so it speaks of God's loving care over his people, not just David, but we, we've kind of adopted this. I mean, this is, this is my psalm too. This is mine. This is one of my favorites. It's mine. It's belongs to me. So when I say the Lord is my shepherd, I don't hear David saying it. I hear Ron saying it. He's my shepherd. So, and this is written to strengthen your faith. So I, I pray that in all of our comings and goings and all the information and all the scriptures we have and give out and all the time we spend together, that it's not just that you learn something. It's that your faith grows. That's what we want, isn't it? You know, because there was a generation spoken of in the scriptures that God spoke to them time and time and time and time again. And it says the word that was given to them did not profit them because they didn't mix that word with faith. You know, it's, it's spoken about that whole generation that died in the wilderness. So what we want is to have our faith strengthened. 
All right. Can we do that before we pray this and read this scripture? Can we pray that? Lord, strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith. There's a lot of things that come through even this psalm, Lord, that challenge us uh, to understand you like this. Uh, there's all kinds of scriptures we get on a daily basis, Lord, to take in and the commandments and all the things that we, we know we need to do. We need you to strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith in the fact that you are good and that your mercy endures forever and that you're going to take care of us. Strengthen our faith, Lord. And may it not just affect the time that we have together, but may that walk with us out that door on our jobs on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and our families and our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities. Strengthen our faith so that we can be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid in Jesus' name. All right, come on, stand with me. Can you do that? Let's read Psalm 23 together. We got it up. I, I didn't mean to put it all on one screen, but can you see that? If you can't, come to the front row and you can read it with us. Is that all right? You're not, oh, you, so you're good. You're good, Jimmy, over there. You're going to stay over there. All right, let's read this together, can we? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack. Amen. All right, so remember our setting for Psalm 23, David's setting for Psalm 23, is the Judean wilderness. It's, it's kind of desert. It's, it's rocky. We're not on a fence ranch in England. Or, you know, this is not a fence ranch, uh, a fence. You can't say that. Hey, don't try this at home. I, I'm, I got this. All right. <laughs> this is not a fenced ranch. This is not a corral. This is not a controlled environment. We're in the open range territory of Israel on the south side. It's rocky. It's hilly. It's dry. Uh, it's the Judean wilderness. Okay, now get this now, because okay, we got to enter into it, and I'm a firm believer that we enter into the text as it was given and written in its day, and then we can come out of it and get what we need to for our day. There's no cell phones. Well, you kind of understand that, right? But there's no, there's no lifeline to call anybody for help, really. There's no police to call. You're out there on your own. There's no feed and supply store, Bubba. There's no, you can't go get a 50-pound sack of feed and take care of these sheep. You've got to know your way around the hillside. You've got to know the ecology of it all. You've got to know that on this side grass grows, on this side grass doesn't grow because the sun sets over there. You know, that kind of thing. You, get, you just got to kind of know those kind of things as a shepherd. So you've got to know this desert, this desert land as you're traipsing through it. Let me show you some pictures here. These are some new pictures of, of this desert. This is actually one of the hikes I was on. Uh, you see this, this canyon, that's called a wadi right there. It's basically, you can see some of the silt down there. In the flood seasons, the water comes rushing down off of the, the northern mountains in, of Israel, comes right through there. You know, you don't want to be in that valley when that happens, right? So this, this is kind of some of the, the idea. It looks pretty harsh, rugged territory, doesn't it? Okay. You walk sheep right through there from time to time. All right, go to the next one here. You see some of the paths. I wanted to show you some paths. We're going to get into more of that next week, Lord willing, when we talk about the paths of righteousness. See the path we're walking right through those Judean mountains. Now that mountain right there in front is probably about 12, 1500 foot tall. Okay, just kind of give you an idea. All right, and that's a nice little canyon right down below right there. You kind of want to stay on the path, you know. So when the psalmist writes things like that, and the, and the proverb writer writes things about staying on the path, the reason is if you don't stay on that path, you're in the bottom of that canyon. You know, that's that's their that's their reality. All right, go to this next one right here. This is one of my favorite pictures. I took this from a, a mountain that's right here in the, in the background. You see off into the distance, that is actually the Dead Sea that you see right through the distance right there. Okay, just want to give you the idea because we, we just have to kind of reprogram our mind of the setting we're in. This is kind of like life, you know, this is life. Life's not always easy. It's got a lot of ups and downs, a lot of loose gravel, a lot of loose terrain, uh, a lot of small paths. We got to make choices of which way to go and whatnot. And, and a lot of danger in life, a lot of things. We need help. We need leadership, okay? I want you to see these kind of things. And this is one, another one of my favorite pictures here that, that is actually looking over the Dead Sea there in the Judean wilderness, all right? And I was right behind that fellow, and I thought, man, that's a great shot right there. <laughs> so, 
But you see that path, that, that, again, that, that's the path. Oh, Lord, that's, and that's a long drop right there. You know, your mama's not going to recognize you if you fall down that hill. Um, <laughs> all right. And here's another idea. I, I just like this picture with the flowers and the beauty right there and then the harshness in the background there. All right. And it's all got its own beauty. All right. And here's kind of a panoramic overview type picture out across the Judean wilderness right there. This is where Psalm 23 takes place, okay? You got that? You've got to know where you're going, right? So he restores my soul. That's what we're going to focus on today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So now what's this idea of restore, restoring my soul? You know, he's a God of restoration, isn't he? He really is. There's two ideas to consider from this this Hebrew word that, that we translate into restore, there's two ideas I want you to consider. The idea of replenish and the idea of return. All right, so let's, let's look at replenish first. All right, so now we go back, rewind just a little bit, one verse, green pastures and still waters. We talked a lot about that last Sunday. And if, you, if you didn't get the, the uh, message, it's on the podcast there with the notes and all that kind of stuff, the links to the notes. He replenishes my soul. So when, I, when I'm hungry, when I, when I need nourishment for my body, my physical body, when I need nourishment for my soul and my spirit, God can feed me. He does feed me. He replenishes my soul. That's green pastures, amen? He gives me still waters. That's like living water. Jesus said, I want you to come and drink from me because taking a drink from me is like living water for your soul. And what living water does, living water from God makes your soul come alive. Helps you to live in what God has called you to live. In fact, what he's got in that cup is called eternal life. And we're still, we're still trying to figure out what all he meant when he said that. I want to give you eternal life because we know that that's not just meaning life that goes on forever. That has a certain quality to it that's different than what we experience just in normalcy. Okay? So he replenishes my soul. Whatever you need, he's got my shepherd replenishes me. He gives me what I need spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way possible in life. I've got the faith and the trust to know that whatever I need, my shepherd's going to take care of me. That's why David says, I have no lack in my life. Now, let me ask you this. When David said that, did he have everything in storage somewhere that he could just go and access? Was his bank account bulging and full? It was absolutely not. What did he mean when he said, I have no lack? Well, because his supply was coming from his father, from the heavenly father, the shepherd. And he knew that the shepherd had access to anything possible. In fact, he's dealing, we're, we're dealing with the Lord, Yahweh. And if he doesn't have it, guess what he has the ability to do? He didn't have enough for lunch? Guess what I can do? Guess what Jesus can do? Don't have enough for lunch? Guess what Jesus? Bring what you got. Takes two fish, five loaves, multiplies it to feed a crowd of over 5,000 men, not to mention women, children, maybe 10, 12, 15,000 people that day. The, the story that we get from Jesus constantly, if you don't have what you need, we can't find it anywhere. I can take whatever we're working with, I can multiply it, and I can bring miracle working power to the situation, and I can make what you never thought possible, I can bring it into reality. If I need to shake around molecules, that's fine. If I need to move heaven and earth, that's fine. If I need to move mountains out of your way, that's fine. I can do that. That's the shepherd we're talking about. You understand? And the more we understand who we're really dealing with, maybe who's dealing with us, <laughs> the more we understand, the more we realize we have nothing to fear, nothing to be worried about. You ever worried about something and then it never turned out to be anything you were worried about anyway? That's about 99% of the time, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so this idea, he gives me what I need. He takes care of me. Philippians 4.19 kind of says it. Paul, in that 4.19, that's, that's, that's kind of one of my verses. You know, guys say things about what's your life verse and all that kind of thing. This is kind of one of mine for a couple of reasons. It's just a great truth to live by. But that 4.19, that's my birthday. Really, it is. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Almost every single day, and I'm not even making this up just because I'm right here. Almost every single day, I look at my phone at 419. It's just the craziest thing. At 419, I look at my phone. And I say, oh, it's 419. So what I've got into a habit of doing, I quote this verse nearly every day at 419. It's the, it's the craziest thing. I've kind of gotten into a habit. 
And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say, my God shall supply your need according to your bank account. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad it doesn't say, my God will supply my need according to my heritage and my family lineage and all the, all the background that I've got? Aren't you glad of that? It says, he will supply my need according to his riches, not mine. Not yours, not what's in Gilbert Town, not what's located here in Mosley Bridge. I'm, I'm not trusting you to take care of me. I'm not trusting you to take care of my family. That's a bad plan, by the way. You know what I'm talking about? I'm trusting his riches in glory, not yours, not mine, through Christ Jesus. And I remind myself about that pretty close to a daily basis. I'm living off of his riches. And last I looked, his bank account's doing okay. We're not only dealing with the smartest who's ever lived with Jesus, we're dealing with the wealthiest that's ever lived. Whatever we need, it doesn't matter. My God shall supply all my need. So this, this is the idea. He restores me. He replenishes me. He gives me what I need so we can live with less stress. Everybody say less stress. Isn't that a good plan? That's a good, good plan. In fact, I saw a bumper sticker one time. It said, too blessed to be stressed. I like that. <laughs> so no fear. No worries. In fact, Jesus would speak to us in Matthew 6. He would say, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, he's, he's saying all these kind of things is what the world is concerned and consumed about. In fact, we call them consumers. They're just consumed with that, this whole idea. He said, but I want you to do this. I want you to consider the birds, all this flying over. He said, there's a message flying right over your head right now, and you're missing it. Consider the birds. They don't worry about nothing. They, they're hungry. They swoop down and eat something. Go back about their business. Then he said, there's another message right there at your feet. He said, just look at all those little flowers. They're not worried. You ever walked by a flower and it was worried? He just said, oh, my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen to me today. He said, just look down see the flowers. And he said, they're so beautiful that Solomon in all his glory doesn't even compare to one of the lilies of the field. So there's a message up above. There's a message right here. So when your head's in the clouds and you're not sure which way to go, or when your head's so down that you're, not, you're so upset, look down. There's something there. There's a message. Jesus said, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry. Every time you see the birds, I want you to be reminded, don't worry. Every time you see the flowers, I want you to be reminded, don't worry. Don't let it get to you. Some of y'all need to carry a flower around with you. Just put it right there <laughs> until, until you get the message. All right. All right. Consider the birds and the lilies. And he said, what I want you to do, your focus, instead of being worried about how life's going to go, how retirement's going to go, what's going to happen, instead of being worried about all of that, I want you to seek first the kingdom and all of his righteousness and he said, and you're going to find out that you're going to live in no lack, that all the things you need are going to be added to you. That's a lesson we need to get programmed in the brain, doesn't it? We need to get that in the mind. All right, so this idea of replenish. Another scripture on this idea is, is Matthew eleven twenty eight, And these, these are all big, heavy-hitting scriptures here now. We, we ain't got time to unpack all of them, but hopefully you get the idea. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? What's the word? I will give you rest. Now, he restores. Don't you see the word rest in the word restores? There's a real connection right there. I will give you rest. Come to me. The good shepherd says, come to me, all you who are wore out. And you know why you're wore out? You're hanging with the wrong shepherd. You got the wrong leadership in your life. You're, you're chasing the wrong thing. Come to me, the good shepherd, and, and I will give you restoration or rest. Take my yoke upon you. We've got this thing right down here again. Remember that yoke? Remember that? Some of y'all need to come get your picture taken in it. <laughs> hey, that's what we'll do, Paul. We'll set up a photo booth and have a picture of Jesus on one side and, and just slip your head right through the other hole. and just that, That'll be our membership photos. Is that all right? Uh, <laughs> what y'all think? <laughs> yes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, so taking this yoke, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
You know why life becomes easy or easier? is because Jesus is doing life with you. So rest, restoration, and replenishing come from being in this right relationship that Jesus is talking about, this right relationship with the good shepherd. So that, that begs the question. He's the good shepherd. Are you a good sheep? You know? We all have to ask ourselves that. Am, am I following him? Have I wandered away? Have I gotten a little bit too much distance between me and him? Do I need to tighten up that? Do I need to make up some distance here? He'll meet you there. Right. So that's the idea of replenish. He replenishes me. That's the idea. Let's get into the second idea of the Hebrew word shub. He restores my soul. Let's look at another idea of this word picture. He brings me back. He restores my soul. He brings me back. To bring back, to return, or to return to where it should be. In, in this idea of returning is the idea of repenting as well. Now, go back to this picture again of this Judean wilderness. You think you can get lost in that? See, that's life. That's the world that we live in. You can get lost pretty easy right there. You can get lost pretty easy in that kind of setting, can't you? I mean, a couple wrong turns, and you can't hear or see anything. You can bow all you want, and they can't hear you hardly. Okay? So it's this, this idea that sheep wander off by choice sometimes. Somebody said one time, how do sheep wander off? Sometimes one blade of grass at a time. They just keep eating in the wrong direction, going the wrong way, and next thing you know, you're eating and you lift up your head and you're, you're where you shouldn't be. Anybody ever find yourself like that? Yeah, I have. They wander off due to choice, due to rebellion, disobedience, failure to follow close, fear, temptation, whatever. Sheep sometimes get lost. All of us get lost from time to time. Reminds me of the words of Isaiah 53, 6. It says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. And in the Hebrew, that word all right there, you know what it means? It means all. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody has gone astray, done their own thing, their own way. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Hmm. Sometimes sheep get lost in this kind of terrain. Now, how do we get back to the shepherd? He brings me back. How do we get back to safety? How do we get back to a right relationship with the shepherd? How do we get back? Now, this takes me back to my favorite passage, and we won't go into all the detail of it. Luke 15, okay, my favorite story that Jesus tells. And remember, it's that three-part parable. We spent several weeks on it just a few, months, a few weeks ago. The three-part parable talking about the good shepherd, the good woman, and the good father. Remember that? It's, it's what we also call the story of the prodigal son or the prodigal sons. Jesus here in Luke 15 gives a radical teaching about salvation and repentance. And one of these three stories is about a lost sheep. And that's where I want to go. Let's go over to, to uh, verse 3. Let's look at this one that is lost and out and about on his own and got lost. Not told how he got lost. We just, he's just lost. Okay. So Jesus speaks this parable to them saying this. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. That word until is real important to my salvation. I like that word. And when he has found out, or excuse me, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you, likewise, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, Jesus paints a picture of salvation. Go to the next slide right here. Here's the picture that Jesus paints of salvation. Okay? The sheep is lost. It's fearful. It's vulnerable. It's out in the open range territory. And if nightfall comes, there's wolves, there's lepers, there's all kinds of predators that are going to basically have a good meal. Okay? And life's like that. If you don't have a shepherd protecting you over your life... There's all kinds of predators. There's all kinds of sin. There's all kinds of addictions and all kinds of problems that's going to take you and eat your lunch, basically. Jesus says that this shepherd 
is willing to leave and at the risk of his own life goes out into the wild to find that one that is lost. That's us, isn't it? He goes out there. And, and so the sheep, when they're lost and afraid, they make noise. That's a good thing and a bad thing, isn't it? They make noise. They cry. Bah! Bah! Help! Basically, help! I need help! Help! The shepherd hears the cry of the sheep, goes out and finds the sheep. And it says when he finds the sheep, he takes that sheep and does what? What does it say? What does the scripture say? He places it on his shoulders. So we got a beautiful picture of salvation. The beautiful picture of salvation that Jesus paints is not you figuring it out. You get that? And we constantly have to help people with that understanding because they say things like this. That, well, when I, when I get my life straight, I'll, I'll, I'll come on back to God. Or when I get this particular thing done, I'll, I'll, I'll come and, and I'll consider this. Jesus said it doesn't work that way. The way you get back into a right relationship with the shepherd is you allow him to pick you up, put you on his shoulders, and take you back home. See, that's the idea of he... He, go back to this picture here, a little bit bigger. He restores my soul. Who messed up? Who wandered off? I did. And this is an amazing idea about God, an amazing idea. I mean, this will blow your mind because it's not anywhere else in any kind of thought or religion or idea. The God of the Bible is presented to us as not just the God who we serve and chase after, He's the God who chases after us. I know the scripture talks a lot about us seeking and, and finding him and going all that kind of thing. And that's important to do that kind of thing. But when it comes to your salvation, you find that the one that you're hoping finds you has been looking for you the whole time. That's the picture Jesus painted right there, wasn't it? I don't know what just happened to my microphone. Do you have any idea? It's all right. You can hear me back there, can't you? Can you hear me good? So it's, it's this idea, that this, this beautiful picture of salvation, that's it, that he restores my soul. I got in trouble, I got out there, and I, I don't even know how to get back. I want to get back, I don't know how. I don't even know the path, and it's too dangerous. If I try on my own, I know I'm done for. I find out there's a good shepherd out there. He picks me up, and he restores me back to the fold. That's good news, isn't it? That's real good news. That's part of what this psalm is talking about, okay? All right, so until, he, find, he works it out until, until. And I sure have tried his patience with until, I can tell you that, okay? All right, the Lord hears and he rescues. All right, now, think about David. Think about King David. Did he know anything about a history of God bringing him back? Did he know anything about that? Now, think of his life for a second. If you know anything about his life, he, he, he is basically exiled and a fugitive of his own people. Saul makes it make sure that he is, okay? Saul wants to kill him. And David has to go for many years of his life. Now, I'm not talking about for three days. I'm talking about for many years of his life. He goes on the run from Saul. And then, miraculously, it's through a whole series of events, and we'll, we'll go through David's life uh, little by little uh, here real soon, Lord willing. But through a whole working of God and working out of both sides of the story and Israel and, and saving David's life and training him and building an army through David and all this kind of thing, David is brought back to Jerusalem and he becomes the king of Israel. It's, a, it's an amazing story. I think David could look back and write and say, he brought me back. And I don't think he would write it without a tear. I, I didn't think I was going to make it. When I was in that cave of Adullam, there's no way I was going to get out. The entire nation was against me. He brought me back. You see what, you see what David's writing about? Now think about the, the infamous story that David has with Bathsheba. That's not a good story, is it? And, and it's, it's, all this stuff about David is really one of the proofs that, that the Bible's inspired because I don't think David would want this written as much as is written about it. Aren't you glad you aren't in the Bible? There'd be some details in there that you may not want the world to read 2,000 years later, you know what I'm saying? 
Because the Bible's really honest about its heroes. It doesn't put them in some kind of folklore, legend type things where they're, you know, Paul Bunyan and his blue ox and all that kind of stuff. It's not, not in that realm of category. Our heroes are very fallible. And they're people just like us. And David, we find out, as wonderful as he is, as strong as he is, as anointed as he is, he's still a man. Bathsheba. I don't even need to go in that story with you, do I? Bathsheba, the affair, all the problems there, the sin. Cover up, comes, waxes her husband, kills her husband, basically. It's awful. How could this man go from being a man after God's own heart to that? Thank God for Nathan. Helped him get back on track in a very painful way. Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and says, you're the man. You sinned. Let's get it right. David, in response to all of that, writes Psalm 51, okay? Now, you know what? He brings me back. David knew a little bit about that now. David knew about falling off a high pedestal, falling into the gutter, and having to crawl out, and God help him, and get back to where he needed to be. So when he writes, he restores, he brings me back. I mean, David's got a history with God. And nobody wants that kind of part of their story to be like that. But aren't you glad we got a God who knows it's like that. And instead of wishing you were better, he goes to where you are and pulls you up and cleans you off. Aren't you glad of that kind of God? If not, we're all done for. Here's, here's part of the bringing back. I don't know if you ever considered this or not or read that part of the story. God brings him back in such a way. Later on in the story, he and Bathsheba get married. Guess who is their son? Solomon. Talk about bringing them back. And what did Solomon do? Solomon built the temple, which is one of the high points of the Hebrew Bible. You see what I'm talking about? He brings me back. Go to Psalm 51 right here, verse number 10. Let's, let's look at this. We're almost done. I said almost. Okay. Whatever that means. <laughs> Psalm 51. 10. Listen to this. This is right in the middle of this prayer of repent, repentance that is made in, in response to his confrontation with Nathan and his. This is his repentance. This is David's repentance. This is holy stuff right here. This is a man's heart in a very grievous position and posture. He, he's heartbroken about what's happened in his life and what he's done and what he's been a part of. Okay? And he's asking God to bring him back. He's asking God to restore his soul. Listen to this. Create in me a clean heart. What happened to the old one? It got dirty, didn't it? So he's depending on God to clean him up. Not, I'm going to fix this, God. I'm going to get myself out of this mess. I know I can't get out of this without you helping me. Create. Make my heart new again. Give me a clean one, oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. I've not been right for some time. Renew a right heart in me, God. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Anything but that. Verse 12. Here, here's our word right here. This is this restore. Restore to me, bring me back to the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I'm saying we know a little bit about a man who knows about what it is to be brought back. Hmm. Can I tell you my, part of my bringing back story. Can I tell you some of that before we go? One reason this is my favorite part of the psalm is I have a comeback story as well. He restores my soul story. I call it D23. Without boring you with all the details, it was December 23rd, 2015. You can see that's not too terribly long ago. Okay. I was not in a good way during this time. I'd gone through a divorce about almost two years before then. And if you've ever been through anything like that, no matter what the circumstances are, there's, there's just a, a darkness that comes into your life that you never expected or intended. It doesn't matter what it is. There's a, that tearing away of that one, the two become one, and there's never such thing as a clean cut. You know what I'm saying? It just tears, and it tears family, it tears finances, it tears everything apart. And it'll tear your heart out, okay? I don't recommend it. I wish this wasn't part of my story, but it is. It's about two years later. I basically had stopped pastoring. I basically told God, it's always a bad idea, but I, I basically told God I was going to do something different. I wasn't, didn't lose faith. I just didn't want to do what I've been doing for the last 20 years. 
I was, I was just, I guess I got what they call burned out. There's a lot of things happened in, in my life and a lot of things weren't, weren't right. And uh, I said, I'm going to quit. So I quit. Quit being a pastor. Through a whole series of events. He never left me through the whole season. Never, I never lost faith. I just decided I was going to go a different direction. Without authorization, by the way. And I did, and I suffered the consequences. It actually cost me everything. Everything, even my sanity. <laughs> anyway. About two years after that point, um, a tragic thing happened in, in a family of, uh, that, that I had baptized uh, the, the dad and dedicated the little boy, all this kind of thing. Uh, he was 11 years old, and he was killed in a four-wheeling accident. He was in Georgia. I was living in Memphis at the time. I went and um, just I heard about it, and they were really close. And they, they had stayed close to me through all the chaos and all that kind of stuff. And I basically just uh, told where I worked I'd, I'd be back in a few days. And I went and just basically moved in with them for a couple of days, uh, about three, and just wanted to spend time with it. It was just horrific. You can't imagine the, the horror and the pain unless you've been through something like that. It's just absolutely the darkest thing you can ever walk through. And I was there with them. The atmosphere was so heavy and dark, it was just absolutely, nobody's sleeping, nobody's eating. It's, it's quiet, and it's just not good. You know, it's terrible. But I, I wanted to be with them. I didn't have any answers either. The little boy was my buddy. In fact, he wanted to be Pastor Ron. That's what he wanted. Me and him had a deal, and he had a touch of uh, that, that, that Asperger's or whatever it's called that, that, um, that makes you kind of like a, a genius, but you have struggles socially and things like that. But he was absolutely brilliant. And, and what he would do, he would, he would take his stuffed animals and put them on his bed and line them up. And he would get his Bible and he would preach to his stuffed animals on his bed. And he told his mama, he said, I'm Pastor Ron. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be like Pastor Ron. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, you just be you, man. That'd be good. But anyway, we, we just had a real tight relationship. He was, just a, he was a, a little boy touched by God. There was no doubt about it. Parents were devastated. We, we'd gone through all that. And uh, just with them, and I, I was getting ready to leave and just had to get back to work. And it was December 23rd. I'm standing in their kitchen, leaning kind of on the counter. There's kind of a horseshoe-shaped kind of counter set up. I'm leaning on the back counter. The dad's across from me, and we're just talking. And while the dad's talking to me, the Holy Spirit says, you know this is what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And I said, look, we ain't got time to talk about this. This is a long conversation. This I mean, he wants a yes, sir, and I want a conversation. How about that? Isn't that something? He wants a yes, and I, I'm, I, I need a conversation because I, I just I don't know if I can do this anymore. I've, I've lost my way so much. I don't, I don't know how to get back. Are you serious? Nobody wants somebody in my state of mind to be a pastor. He, he said, look, we'll talk about this later. So I said, all right, we'll talk about it on the way home. All right, so I've got seven hours, something like that, from where I was in Georgia to Memphis. Okay, so... Me and Jesus all the way to Birmingham had a conversation, and there is a country song that would go with this very well, <laughs> okay? So we're, we're on I-20 all the way, pretty much, and uh, we're, we're talking this out. I mean, we're, we're actually, it was a very holy time for me. Um, basically, I, my part of the conversation was, you win, <laughs> which is where you, where you always got to get. You win. Hands went up. You win. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You're going to have to make it happen. I'll do it. So I'm trying to drive. You know, it's hard to, be, it's hard to do 85 and crying. It's really hard, but I was able to do it. Anyway, we, I called my dad right after that, and I said, Dad, I just need to tell you what's happening here. And we were both in tears together because he, he, he was my only support, really, humanly speaking, uh, through that, that season and time. And he's the only one who knew all details and everything that was going on. And he stuck with me through thick and thin. And my dad is a, a gem of a man. And you'll get to meet him soon, Lord willing. We had our, our, our time. And um, I just said, Dad, I need to tell you this so, I, so you can hold me to it. Uh, I just basically rededicated my life to the Lord and said, yeah, yes. Just told him, gave Jesus my yes again. And I said, I don't even know where this leads. I don't know where it goes. I just need to tell you. So we, we got off the phone after a long conversation, all that kind of thing. And then we're coming up Highway 78. Some of y'all know where that is. 
going right up through like Holly Springs in that area. You know what I'm talking about? Highway 78. Uh, go to this next picture right here. Okay. This, this is where I call D23. Okay. And, and, and just so you know, this is December 23rd, 2015. I've got it engraved on the inside of this ring. And this ring kind of represents my renewed covenant and God's renewed covenant with me. I got, it started raining a little bit, okay? And then ahead, it was just absolutely black. I mean, it was just horrifically black. I got up to this, about exit number 30, I think it was. I got up to that point, and um, all the cars were all, all stacking up on the sides of the road. And uh, I saw people running up a hill, which is never good. I mean, I'm on the interstate, good Lord. I mean, just people are running up, and we're basically at a railroad bridge. You know what I'm talking about? It's got the... the coming down the, the the sides coming down and these people are running up into that bridge and i'm like what in the world and you know my only thing to do was to hit the gas i mean that's what i was thinking let's get around this mess i don't know what's going on because you know speed's always the answer right <laughs> not, not not always so i was thinking i mean i in, in these split seconds of time i was thinking should i just blow through this thing or should i just slow down fortunately the lord got me in a place where i i just kind of I just had to kind of stop because there was cars all over the place. I just had to stop. And no more that I stopped and I turned that little dial to put the truck in park. I mean, this horrific wind came right over the top of the trees. I'm sitting on the interstate right there on Highway 78. I think it's I-22 now or something like that. The wind started blowing. No more than I got the car in park. This happened. This is when I knew I was in trouble. I didn't have any idea what was going on. I heard that there, I mean, on my radio, it came on that there was a, a, a tornado in Marshall County, but I knew that was another 20, 30 miles ahead. But what we, I didn't know is, a, is one had developed right there, right there where I was. I knew I was in trouble. See those mirrors? That ain't how a mirror's supposed to sit on the truck. I knew I was in trouble as soon as I put it in park. Those two side mirrors, both of them went to the front of the truck, poof, just like that, and broke. And I said, Jesus, I went straight down. Stuff started hitting my truck like I was in a war zone. Pine trees, pine needles, the whole deal. I, I, I just go down. And I promise you, I, I can be a tough guy. And I'm a big guy. And I'm not scared of anybody or anything that I know of. But in that situation, I didn't want nobody but Jesus and my mama. I can just tell you right now. You can be tough all you want. But when you're out of control, it is no fun. Be six foot three, but that don't stand up against 200 mile an hour winds. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm there. This stuff's happening in my truck. It's, it's shaking. It's off the ground, actually, at this time. See this mirror, this window back here? That is not one of those automatic closed windows, okay? That is my window. You see it busted out right there? I, I thought I was dead, I, honestly. I had my, my arm in the steering wheel. I had my head covered, and I was, I was just down because I just knew something was going to come through that window any time. I'm down like this, leaned over that, the same truck you got actually, leaned over that big old console, I'm just leaned over as far as this big old body will lean, and I'm, I'm, I'm hiding, and then this horrific loud pop happened, something either hit the back window or was pressure, I don't, I'm not sure, I didn't, I didn't ask, uh, it just was loud, it sounded like a shotgun went off in the truck, and glass started swirling all over the place, and pine needles, and it was all in my hair, it was everywhere else, I thought this was it. I, it. Next, you know, you seen the movie Wizard of Oz? Next stop, you know, this ain't Kansas anymore. You know, you you go. There's something else that happened in that that deal. It was so really strange. I had one of those plastic bed liners in the truck. It just sucked it right out. Now this is what's weird. See that right there? I wish I had a better picture. See that right there? That's the bungee cords that were in the corner of that plastic bed liner. That thing got sucked out. Those bungee cords stayed right there in the bed, bed of that truck. That is crazy. You hear these stories about tornadoes and all the crazy stories? That, that's mine. That is insane. Uh, it was terrific. Go to the next slide right there. Long story short. See, that's, you need a sign from God? There's one right there. <laughs> that's actually where I was, exit 30 right there. All right, go, go to the next slide. This is when I got out. Everything kind of calmed down a little bit. It was still raining pretty hard. That's my truck. It was in, in the right-hand lane, and, and it got moved, basically picked up and moved to the emergency lane while I'm in it. That is a crazy feeling. The truck behind me, just a few feet behind me, actually was turned over. We had to get that truck driver out, and he had a lot of, he was scared to death, let's just say it like that. And he had a lot of colorful language coming out of him. 
Um, go to the next one here. Just a, I'm standing right in front of my truck. This is just what happened right in front of me. Okay. Uh, you see the people up in that area right there? Um, I don't know if you can see this right here. I mean, that's a car underneath there. Now, it's, it's, it's funny to talk about now. Uh, it wasn't very funny then. That's, that's a truck. That's a car. That's another car and all that kind of stuff. All these people that were in these cars are up here. The good thing they were anyway. You know, they say never to leave your vehicle, I don't, you know, but good thing they did. This is kind of, it's funny now, not, not then, but see that truck right there? Well, that's the license plate of the truck. You know what I'm talking about? If you can kind of see what that is. That is not a normal position for Chevrolet. Anyway, um, I'll just tell you all that it was, it was horrific. So I got out there. I was the first person on the scene, basically, and those field general making sure everybody was okay and nobody was in the cars. And that was just scary moments. Here's my D23 stuff. It all calmed down about 45 minutes later. All the first responders got there and checked everybody. Nobody had anything on them, but a little, somebody had a scrape on their leg. That was all, thank God. We walked away, and if you've ever been in a kind of situation like that, you're so jacked, your emotions and everything so up here, you really are Superman, I mean, for a second. You, you just, everything. But when everything kind of... Then, then it just starts saying, oh my gosh, why, what just happened? I'm in those moments now. I'm walking away from all of that at about 45 minutes, and I'm going to my truck. I don't know if it'll start. I don't know anything, what's going to happen. Going to my truck. And I, I, this is just where I was. This is, this is just real. I'm, I'm not saying this is where you should be. But I'm walking to my truck, and I go like this. I said, really? A tornado? I thought we had all this worked out. I mean, that's for real what it says. And while I'm walking to the back of the truck, I pulled the tailgate. I was just going to sit there and just kind of get my breath. And the Lord said, I didn't send a tornado, but I did protect you in it. Just like the tornado the last two years, I didn't cause any of this, but I was with you the whole time. I fell on my knees to the mud, in, in, right in the mud. I said, I'm sorry, you know where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. And then I got in my truck and road cleared and we were able to, to get on down the road. Later on, about a few weeks later, is when I had a conversation with Pastor Benny, Benny Tate, um, through a mutual friend, got things lined up. He knew what had happened. Benny, he said, well, I want to help you get back. I want to help you. So we went and talked to Benny. Long story short, we moved to Mosley Bridge. <laughs> anyway, anyway. What's that? Tornado's gone. <laughs> Tornado's gone. So, you know, and we're not in Kansas anymore either, right? Um, you know, I, I personally know, and, and you know what I wish we had time to do? I wish we had time to go through every single one of you story because I can promise you he is the kind of shepherd that there is everybody that has walked with him in this room has a he brought me back story. You know what? Isn't he like that? He's like that. He? And if you're not back where you need to be, I, I want you to know that he can bring you back. He can bring you back. Now, again, I, I don't want none of this to be part of my story. I mean, I hate this. That was the most horrific one minute of my life. I mean, it was one minute. I mean, it lasted about that much. It was absolutely horrible. But I found out that there was, there's absolutely nothing to fear. He's got me. You know, and he brought me back. He brought me back. And I'm eternally grateful. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the next 100 years of my life. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with the next 30, 40 years of my life. But I'm going to tell people he brought me back. And that there is a way back. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've done it with. If David, David can come back, you can come back. If Ron can come back, you can come back. I can promise you. So when I read, he restores my soul. I think of D23. That's my story. Go to the slide there with the verse. Can you stand with me and let's say this together?
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He replenishes me. He brings me back. Let's thank him. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, through all of our sin, all of our folly, all of our misguidedness, through us yielding to temptation and taking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil without your permission, all that kind of stuff that we've all done. All we like sheep have gone astray, Lord. But you took our sin. You became our way back. And for that, we're eternally grateful, Lord. We thank you so much. First of all, that you cared enough. You could have just let us go. But you cared enough to bring us back. We thank you, Lord. Lord, for those this morning that need replenishing, I pray that the bread of heaven would just hit their soul and nurture, nurture them and nourish them in ways that they've never experienced before. That the living water that flows straight from your throne, Lord, would quench that thirst that's in them. And they'd no longer drink out of the mud holes of this world, but they'd drink from the rivers that flow from your throne. Replenish, Lord. Replenish your people. Strengthen us, Lord. We need encouragement. We need more courage. We need you to encourage us. Help us, Lord. Lord, for those who need to find a way back, you've worked that out too. And just as you put that sheep that day in that story on your shoulders and brought them back, that's us. You can do it for everybody we come in contact with. And Lord, I'm a firm believer that if you can save me, you can save anybody. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I, don't, I don't know all of your stories. But somebody here this morning may need to come back. You need to find your way back. Jesus is here with us. He's here to help you. You say, Pastor, that's me. I, I, I need to find my way back. I need him to restore me. Anybody slip up your hand? Anybody? Yes. Anybody? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something real courageous. Just by faith. If, if you need prayer in that area of your life, just, just come to this altar and just kneel. Can you do that? Just, Lord, I need you to bring me back. You don't have to figure out how. You don't have to figure out all the details of what and all the things that need to be worked out. You, you'll get that information as you need it. Just trust him to bring you back to restore you to whatever place he needs you to be in. Just find a place to pray. We thank you, Lord.